Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Betches Media presents. A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. The Betches Sup Podcast. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the crazy shit that's going on in the news, brought to you by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we are here with Ryan Vasquez. Broadway performer who has starred in just like a little a boutique production. Uh, I don't let me just make sure I'm, I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's Hamil, Hamilton. Yeah, you Hamilton. had it right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got. Okay, I got it. Okay, I'm I'm kidding. But he is also <laughs> the founder of Swing from Home, a platform connecting more remote volunteers to small campaigns that need volunteer support. Ryan, thanks so much for being with us. I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, All right, Ryan. So you started Swing From Home, which connects remote volunteers to smaller campaigns uh, and local and statewide elections to provide volunteers to the candidates that haven't been able to gin up support in person due to the pandemic. Uh, Can you kind of explain what inspired you to start this group? Absolutely. So... You know, I think what we're realizing right now and what we're seeing everywhere is that enthusiasm is sort of at an all-time high and at an all-time low all at once. You know, there's there's an element of not wanting to talk about the national environment for obvious reasons. Nobody wants to talk about our president because he's a racist and a pathological liar. So, like, <laughs> as we're sort of moving away from that conversation and everybody having gone home and had those conversations with our families and our friends, now we're sort of regrouping and incubating and people are really energized and taking to the streets and and doing what they know to be a change making but how do we sort of focus our energy in in the lead up to november in a way that's meaningful you know i think people want to donate money and they want to donate time but it's like you donate twenty dollars to joe biden and you read in the news that he raised like eight million dollars in a month and it's like of course he needs that money as well but that that race is sort of baked in right it's like how do we approach november with a scalpel as opposed to like a machete like just hacking away at anything we can and so we started this to you know really give opportunities in these super focused areas so that you know you can you can make these calls and of course you're sort of killing two burns with one stone right like you you can make calls for democrats for biden in a specific area that's also going to benefit a purplish district as opposed to like making as as many calls as you possibly can in atlanta to try to flip georgia it's like it's the areas around atlanta that are sort of purpler that really need the help right so um that was sort of the impetus of it and it's been super fun and super successful so that's awesome so- yeah, that's great. Um, 
So how do you decide like which candidates to work with and what, you know, areas or regions to focus on? Who man, yeah, that was quite the process, right? We have we flagged something like 150 state legislative races and some of these races, I mean, like, you know, in some more uh, in areas where politics and and people are a little bit more engaged, they have the infrastructure and stuff, but like some of these candidates like getting like a high quality photo of them is like pulling mm-hmm. teeth, right? Because people are running everywhere and there are communities that are underserved and underfunded and underrepresented. So, um, you know, we we did a lot of research as far as looking at counties that flipped from Obama to Trump. It's a sort of mystery thing that people have been trying to diagnose for the last four years. It's like, where are these people? What made them feel this way? And there's a variety of reasons, right? Um, We looked at margins from the last couple of cycles. So, you know, the Iowa State House, for instance, could be flipped. The entire chamber could be flipped with a redirecting of 100 votes from 2018, right? There's wow. a woman there, Kayla Cater, who lost by nine. It's like, they're, they're, these races really are so tight that a night of phone banking where we make 1,500 calls with you know 20 volunteers is gonna tip the scales in some of these places. And so, you know, looking at areas that it felt like it was really manageable, you know, we're in something like 27 states, And something that, I mean, I'm not sure a lot of people know about is, uh, you know, this concept of redistricting that's about to happen um, in in the new year. Every 10 years with the taking of the census, the politicians that control these districts get to redraw their maps. And sometimes, you know, Republicans mainly have done this in a way that is drawn around certain neighborhoods or even certain buildings so that they're choosing who votes where as opposed to the voters choosing the politicians that represent them and the leaders that represent them. So Republicans did this so absurdly in in 2010 after Obama was elected. He called it a shellacking in 2010, the midterms, right? And they took so many of these state legislative chambers that now you have a state like Wisconsin where in 2018, Democrats won 55% of the vote there and only took 40% of the seats. And wow. that, uh, the last time I checked, is not a representative democracy. <laughs> so it's <laughs> no. like, how, how do we change that, right? And it's by taking control of these smaller chambers at the local and sort of state level so that we can build up as opposed to, you know, hoping that Biden is elected and hoping that that change will trickle down because what we're seeing is that that does not always happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I feel like we saw that play out a lot in uh, in the midterms in Virginia by just flipping the legislature there. Uh, it's been able to there's been so I'm originally from Virginia and there's been so mm-hmm. much progress in Virginia that I would have thought was unheard of as far as like gun control, uh, oh, a lot I of mean, stuff around the statues. Here's a story about Virginia, right? That's just too ridiculous. In 2017, there was a state legislative race that was going to decide the makeup of the chamber. It was going to either be a Republican or Democratic majority with this one seat. It was deemed a tie. And literally, they took two film canisters, put a slip of paper in each with the person's name in either, and they drew it out of a hat. And they literally take out the slip, and it goes to the Republican. So Republicans hold that chamber court litigation and all this stuff, they, they challenge it. And it ends up that a Democrat ends up taking that seat throughout, you know, like this whole complicated process. And it is only then that Virginia is able to pass comprehensive gun reform for the first time ever. So it's like, again, it's, it's not only, you know, this sort of like big, broad national discussion. It's like when we're, when we're seeing transphobic bills, like the bathroom bill, right. When we're seeing, you know, uh, abortion restrictions in Texas and Louisiana, where they're sort of paring down to one clinic in the entire state. It's like these, 
these policies are passed at the state level and there's nothing to stop them if Republicans control those chambers. We had a phone bank in North Carolina the other day where the candidate Christy Clark described North Carolina as a testing ground for national policy for Republicans. They literally passed this stuff in North Carolina, see if it's palatable. And if it is, they just migrate it to DC. And as soon as Republicans control the chambers there, they pass it through. And with the court being as it is, it's never going to get challenged. So it's like these, these things, we got to like pull these things out at the root, just as we're talking about, you know, police brutality, we're talking about healthcare, we're talking about these things that are sort of starting in, at the local level and then blossoming into these bigger issues. Like we got to pull these things out at the root because the, the trickle down is just, it is not working. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if someone were to want to become a swing from home volunteer, they've a listened swinger to this, from home. Yes, of course. Sw- yes, <laughs> want to get into swinging from home. Um, what do your volunteers do? Great. So we have all sorts of uh, sort of lanes that we're operating in. We have three sort of main lanes, right? Um, one, we're working as a volunteer hub for all opportunities all over the country. So like I said, you know, we're in 27 states. We have almost 150 races. So you can drop in on the website or on our socials or anything. And there's sort of like a running link tree in the bios there that you can just see all of the upcoming opportunities by date. And you can just click there and it'll take you likely to, you know, a Google form or a mobilized page, whatever the campaign has up and you can drop in on opportunities. So if you're thinking, you know, hey, Thursday nights, I'm just going to phone bank or text bank or, or, you know, participate in this way. You can just drop in on those on those events and, you know, participate. They give you a tutorial, a training. They talk to you about the issues. They give you like cheat sheets on the candidates. You, you can really, you know, it's literally there's a script where you're like, Hi, my name is Ryan Vasquez, and I'm calling with the campaign of Deb Siamaka in Pennsylvania. How are you? Wait for a response. Like, if they're doing well, click this. It's basically like a choose-your-own-adventure book, right? Like, you're just sort of, like, working your way through this conversation. Yeah, right? Like, it's sort of like the goosebumps of of politics. Um, And so... Then there's a then then we're also collaborating and hosting some events with the candidates. So there's stuff that we post that are sort of swing from home events. Those are where we get to sort of like uh, you know flex the artist in us. So we always bring some performers there to you know sing something. We got folks from Hamilton, other Broadway shows who come through and sing as sort of a call to action. And then you get calling, and that's the same sort of deal. And then of course we're fundraising a little bit too. So we're holding some really cool events coming up for individual candidates and for whole states. Again, that's all on the link tree, and you know we're we're doing something in. Pennsylvania, for instance, with Leslie Odom Jr. and and Danae Benton and and Rory O'Malley, some other folks who, you know, went to Carnegie Mellon. So they have sort of have a Pennsylvania connection and they're going to, you know, perform. And we're also going to hold a panel discussion about like arts as activism and how people are, you know, using that muscle right now to affect change. So there's all sorts of ways that you can get involved. And, and, you know, like I said, if you're sort of just looking for things to do, there's a constant stream of opportunities that we're dropping on Mondays, like for the week. And, you know, these phone banks, it's really nerve wracking. Like, I understand it's really bizarre to make like cold calls into a state that you're not from and just be, you know, hoping that somebody picks up and the response rate is super low, but like gathering that data for the campaigns, even, you know, when you get that one call a time where it's like, I'm not interested and hang up the phone. It's like, that's good for them to know. You sort of mark that they're able to not call that number again. They're able to really focus their search. And like, you're just working sort of on the ground because Normally, folks would be knocking doors right now. They'd be going around and gaining support, and they can't. And so, like, remote volunteering is really all these communities have left. And so we need to be that army of volunteers that goes in and 
gives these campaigns like a shot in the arm for their volunteer efforts. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. How is this election personal to you this year? Like, why did you feel like you needed to do this? Yeah, you know, I mean, full disclosure, like I am a straight white male, right? So like, there's, there's an element of privilege here that I think a lot of people feel, you know, especially living in New York or living in some of these more liberal places where we don't see these issues really taking root and expanding and infecting these communities. Something that I think is super relevant right now is like, we're, we're really seeing the importance of state and local leadership. There is no federal response to the pandemic. There has never been one except for to literally deny its existence, which has been proven to um, not work. So we're sort of, we're, so now we're seeing a governor in New York approaching the pandemic in one way and a governor in, let's say, Georgia or Texas approaching it with deniability, like in another way. And, you know, talk about it being personal to us. One, one thing that I've been thinking is like, you know, a, a lot of people have been asking, how are you finding peace during this time? How are you finding a break, you know, from everything that's going on? I'm like, what is the break? I don't want to have these conversations anymore. I don't want my two dearest friends, two black men 
to have these conversations with me anymore about how they're afraid to come to my house late at night. Like, I, I don't want to have these conversations. And so, you know, how are you finding peace? How, how are you remaining, you know, focused on yourself? It's like, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I, I think if you are, you're temporarily exiting reality, which is healthy as well. But when you check back in, like we need to, we need to be working right now, you know, and, and applying the sort of black square energy into some actionable steps. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and how it's personal to, to our community in New York, it's like, New York isn't getting back to functioning until Florida has their act together. This is, mm -hmm. there, there are no borders of our states. Like there, there mm -hmm. are no, you know, we cannot keep people from Texas who are infected from going to California where my parents live and vacationing around and going to wineries and, and spreading this disease. And so we need, if there's not going to be a federal response, which by the way, if there was, you would still have people saying it was tyrannical and that masks were, you know, an infringement upon freedom. So I don't even know if a federal response, we, we love in America, we love to like, you know, buck the system. We love to say like, no, our state doesn't apply. We can do whatever we want. It's like this sort of, you know, it, which is funny because those are the same people who are like, think that Trump is like a law and order candidate, right? I mean, it's just, <laughs> the, I, the irony is just like too it's absurd at this point to even touch on. It's like the least marginalized people just want an excuse to feel marginalized. Exactly. So they chose exactly. That, well, yeah. right. And, and look at the person who's, who's leading the charge is the, mm -hmm. the white billionaire who is somehow marginalized as well, is somehow yeah. even as a president, four years after being the president, is running as like a change candidate. He's like, he's <laughs> like, no, we're bringing this. It's like you, you created what we're dealing with right now, and mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, it's like, no, we we you know Biden and the. It's like you turn on like anything that Trump says. It sounds like Joe Biden has been the president for four years. He's mm -hmm. like, he's like, yes. we're going to continue down this path. I'm like. The path is your path, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's just outrageous. So. I know. He says standing from the Rose Garden in the White House. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you know, crazy. I, I don't know if y'all saw this, but like now he's, you know, of course, floating. He wants to give his convention, uh, you know, speech, like where he's accepting the nomination from the White House. And it's like, you know, that speech is going to be about how in trouble we are and how, you know, fear mongering and all this stuff. It's like, it doesn't really, I mean, that's, I think the biggest difference in this election, right? Is like, now his rhetoric is like up against a backdrop of four years of him having been in power. So how are you, you can't spin it, dude, you know, and, know. The, and with the reality hitting everybody as hard as it is, it's just like, he's a, just like a fucking disaster. Obviously. Whenever, <laughs> whenever <laughs> they say, this of this so, podcast, actually. Yeah. 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 Disaster. whenever they say make America great now, again, now it's like a self own. It's like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, it's like, again, from where? It was even a sort of, you know, the, the time, talk about time's up, right? Like, you've lost your privilege. You've lost, you know, we tried it with the, you know, we let Donald Trump and the Jeffrey Epsteins and frankly, the Bill Clintons, we yeah. let these people run the world. It doesn't matter what party you're from. We let this type of entitled person run the world. We let them get away with everything. We, we literally accept that he says that you can grab women by the pussy and it doesn't matter. We let that happen. And we're all guilty of it too. Because as soon as the sort of shock wore off, everybody went back to their world and they said, whoo, that doesn't really disproportionately affect me. This is so terrible. I'm going to post my black square and like I'm standing in solidarity, right? And like you can stand in solidarity or 
you can come to a phone bank and actually do something that's actionable and get people to vote. And so, you know, your vote is your voice. Make sure that you vote. Yes, but that is not enough. We're talking right now about a system, you know, with systemic racism specifically. There's all this movement to be anti-racist, that it's an active push, right? Mm -hmm. And that standing by and being neutral, even if in your heart you know that you are not a racist person, right? Unless you are working actionably to change that, then you're not doing anything because it doesn't matter how you feel inside. You need to be bringing these people when 40% of the country doesn't vote. It's not about convincing the people who did vote for Trump. It's about getting these people who don't even care to care. Yeah, and that's, I think, what's great about what you're doing is because, you know, I feel like a lot of people can be, feel a little, like, disenfranchised with the two parties and having to pick between these two these two figures. But when you bring it, really bring it down to a smaller level, you can find candidates that you can feel more inspired about, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, you're not going to find, you know... I think that's what's so cool about doing this, right? You you meet these people who are running in their specific district and they're not like polished. They're not Joe Biden. People are, are not enthused with Joe Biden because he's trying to walk the narrowest line to ensure that we don't end up with four years of Donald Trump. I don't love Joe Biden either. I had a lot of people that I wished in my heart of hearts in my little political dreamland that I wish would be president, but who cares? Like these are the choices now. You don't have to be in love. I, I, I heard this amazing interview with ta Coates that dropped like, you know, right as sort of the, the protests were really picking up. And he said, we need to think of voting like taking out the trash. It's something that you do that is just an obligation that you have to do. It's, it's not about, oh, I love this process. I'm so engaged with the presidential nominee. And if I'm not, then I'm just going to sit out. It's like, no, if we had 100% turnout in America, Republicans would never win an election again in mm-hmm. any community, in any community. And and get pulling teeth to get people to engage one by one is difficult, but like, you know, it, it's so true. We 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 need to just think of activism like this of making this push as as something that we do just like we take care of ourselves and we recycle to take care of our communities and these things voting participating in an election that's this high stakes we need to think of it like a chore that maybe you don't love maybe you don't love going to the polls to vote for joe biden maybe you don't love going to the polls to vote for hillary clinton but the people who didn't got us here so Mm -hmm. we need to just you know you're never going to be pleased in every you know corner of of the decision but working with these local people what's so cool is that they don't need to be polished in that way and worry about alienating people. They're just running as themselves. So you have this really cool candidate, Deb Siamaka in Pennsylvania, right? Who's like, she's an ex-Marine and now she's a teacher. And she had this sort of national spotlight moment when she uh, you know, came out against teachers with guns and how ridiculous that was when Republicans were advocating for that. And Oh, TBT to that. Right? Yeah. And it's like, and that's like a unique person, right? Like that, that's, that's somebody who's able to, to speak her mind on these issues and not worry about, oh, okay, am I going to offend this group or that group? It's like, she's just running on who she is. And because the people voting for her are in her community, it's like, how do you represent the entire United States of America? You cannot. It's impossible, you know? And no matter who his running mate is, it's like, there's going to be, 
some group that says, oh, now, now, I'm, dis- now I'm unenthused. Now I'm disenchanted with this. And it's like, it, you don't need to be enchanted by somebody who is going to take the office from Donald Trump. Like, mm-hmm. please. Yeah, be enchanted with Donald Trump not being the president. Exactly. Anymore. That's about as enchanting as it gets these days. Like a world without Donald Trump is is enchanted. That's actually what yeah. enchanted is about. If you go back and watch Enchanted, it's actually about a world. Yeah, but that's a, that's another podcast. We'll, we'll loop back on that. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's something that's something I've been thinking about a lot as well, which is like even if you're not inspired by the top of the ticket, this local candidate that you vote for now could be the inspiring top of the ticket in your future. Like you're launching potentially the person who you could be really jazzed to vote for for president. You know, you never know who you're getting into office by getting involved at a local level. Exactly. And the people who you're involving yourself with, it's like being at that sort of ground level, you're able to sort of tell these people and indicate for these people in the communities that either you live or that you're participating in what it is that makes that person inspiring. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, people are complaining. It's like the people who are complaining about not being enthused about Joe Biden were not even born when this man entered political office for the 15th time. Like by the time he, the first run for president that he made, you have people who are going to vote this year who are not alive for that, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like that, and then they're like, oh, he doesn't relate to me. It's like, well, of course not. So go and see who's running in your communities and in the world who do relate to you. Find that person who is truly representative of what you want and what you see the future as and support that person because then you're going to be a 70-whatever-year-old person saying, yes, this is my president now. This was somebody that I helped in my small sort of micro way to groom and adopt the policies that we know are important. And so, you know, if you're if you're expecting to retrofit an 80-year-old man to the things that are important to you, you're delusional. It's like we have to be working exactly with the people who we can affect. So, I think, you know, that's 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 a huge appeal in all of this. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Do you know, like, are the campaigns telling you that they need help with one particular arena? Is it really just, like, calling, calling, calling? uh, Or is that, like, the main way to support them? Yeah, I mean, you know, you normally right now campaigns would be gearing up with like a volunteer event every day to get a big sort of mass group of volunteers who are going to take to doors and take to phones and texting and all of that. But they haven't had the opportunity to do that, obviously. So people are really strapped for volunteers. And that was kind of like the main impetus. As we've, extan- as we've expanded into fundraising and what have you, like there, is, there have been more opportunities to, to collaborate with them. But really, I think the seed of this is volunteering. And one thing I think that's important is Republicans are going to outspend Democrats 
every election cycle until the end of time. There's a party that's represented by billionaires and there's a party that's represented by working class people. So you can imagine the financial woes of the party that's represented by working class people. And that's why Bernie's campaign was so inspiring, right? Because he was able to corral people into giving five, 10, $15. And, and, and look how many candidates took after that, right? The Warren campaign and then all these other progressive candidates who said, we're, and now Democrats pretty much as a rule are saying, we won't take PAC money. You know, we're, we're, we're working with grassroots donors, but we're never going to outspend them. So how can we fight that, right, is with volunteering and with effort. And that's a harder thing to, to do. I understand that. But absolutely, you know, on these phone banks, Sometimes we call, you know, we made 10,000 calls for Senator Tina Smith the other day. And that's like a statewide race, obviously, in Minnesota that, you know, she needs to retake that seat. But then, you know, on the 11th, we're having another phone bank for a candidate in Minnesota, but who's running in a state house race where only a few thousand votes are even cast. And she won by less than 200 votes two years ago. And so if we're able to even bring that mass of people we, we have candidates who are saying, yeah, how many volunteers can you bring? And I say, you know, hopefully we'll get 10 to 20 people on the call. And they say, we'll take one. It's like they really are, you know, Kayla Cater, who I mentioned before, who lost by nine votes two years ago. One volunteer, you probably make 100 calls in a night, in an hour, you know, that what if those what if nine of those calls end up swaying the race? So so, you know, I, I think, yes, volunteers are absolutely what folks are strapped for. And by, you know, every, I, w- I was really worried starting this that we were going to be sort of hit with the cynical political people who were like, this isn't enough. You're starting this kind of grassroots thing, but this is so high stakes. We can't be collaborating with just anybody. Thank you, but goodbye. And the gratitude has been what has kept me on my computer and on Zoom 12 hours a day because I'm like, this, like, wow, you really are grateful for the five people we were only able to bring because usually you have none. Usually you have fundraisers where nobody participates and you cancel them the morning of. It's like the virtual thing, you know, again, that's back to, you know, enthusiasm at an all-time high and all-time low. It's like people are exhausted by the world for obvious reasons. And so getting a volunteer who's going to volunteer time, like talk about an act of putting your community first, you know, above your own sort of personal, you know, your day or the things that you have to watch or whatever. It's like, you can fit it in, like in between episodes of search party, I guarantee you can <laughs> like, you can call for an hour, which, you know, that's what I do. And now yeah. I'm finished with Switchblade. So. <laughs> Excellent show, by the way. Hilarious. Oh, so <laughs> great. And I love the rest of development. I'm just like, I'm on that team like for the rest of time. Yeah. I mean, John Early can do no wrong, in my opinion. Oh, and uh, Kate Berlant. Like, I, I, I went through last night, actually, with a friend, like, watching all those sketch videos that they make that are just, like, so absurd so and so, so funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Um. All right. Can Should we round this out? I gotta ask, we gotta ask Hamilton questions. Oh yeah, hit me, yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, So you were performing on Broadway when the pandemic began. Uh, What what has this been like for you? I'm sure you're missing your job. Yeah, I mean, of course, right? And and I think, you know, one of the amazing parts about being in Hamilton is that, you know, by stepping out on stage every night that you're like affecting change in a serious way for these people. And I think that's the void that folks are trying to fill as far as artists in the Broadway community right now. They're like, okay, 
you know, artists often think that it's enough to be an artist. It's like, oh, as long as we're sort of performing for these people and changing minds and whatever, like we're doing the work. And that's sort of the same philosophy as, you know, I vote and that's enough or I feel this way and that's enough. It's like now people without that crutch, artists without that crutch are like, okay, wait, how do I really participate if I'm not just participating by virtue of what I do? And so, you know, but yes, I have, I, I really miss the show. I've been doing a lot of like virtual concerts and sort of things like that, where I, they'll be like, please sing a song from Hamilton. If that's not too much. I'm like, are you kidding? It's awesome. It's like the only <laughs> time I get to sing Hamilton anymore. Like it's for these weird zoom things. So I'm like, yeah, like I, I love it. Like it's, it's been cool. And you know, it's been cool also to connect with like just random people from all over the country through some of these things, you know, like meet and greets and different stuff, you know, for, for even just like parties and where people just want to like hear from you and, and, you know, ask questions and hear about the show. And, and so, um, so it's been cool. It's been sort of like a weird, like U S tour of like, you know, that's really interesting because when I sing Hamilton, everyone asks me to stop. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, uh, they're like please stop this is be, a meeting yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 exactly you're like okay well now that that's done uh, like it's monday morning we can move on with our lives yeah exactly well i definitely i have a dog and definitely that's uh that is her opinion for sure there, he's she's just like she can hear like the like you know dun, 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 like things starting and she's like okay she's like is there a corner of this apartment that i can uh block off for myself here like the private concert element is really rich. Uh, and you played a number of different characters in Hamilton, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I actually, you know, the sort of like the the distinguishing thing that I always say, right, is like I'm the uh, I'm the only person to have ever played Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr, George Washington, James Madison, and Thomas Jefferson on Broadway or otherwise. So like wow. when people say, "Oh wow," like when I love it, the, you know, people bring their kids. They're like. My kid knows every lyric to Hamilton. I'm always like, uh huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> a 15 year old kid being like, oh yeah, like I know every word. I'm like, yeah, but does it matter if you mess up or is it just. <laughs> so, you, could, yeah. you, you could do a one man show of every character. Yeah, one day, you know, I'm sure, you know, hopefully that's the that's the Biden fundraiser on like, you know, October 30th will be me doing a one man show of all of Hamilton, like sitting here for three hours, putting on different coats and like just anything to, to get this man out of here. Do you have of all those characters that you played is is there one that's the most fun is there different things about all of them yeah oh yeah for sure like uh you know i love playing hamilton obviously it's like i always say it's like paid therapy it's like you get to go out there and like put on a costume and just like basically go through every like corner of emotional availability for the next like three hours which is awesome uh and then like i the first role i ever did uh was aaron burr and so like that's just like an amazing part too obviously yeah you know like seeing seeing people too you know being in the show on broadway and with the folks who have been there the whole time it's just so cool to like hear the stories about like the other people who played those roles obviously and when lynn was there and everything like that i will say the one the one that i'm always like when i'm on is is when i'm on for hercules mulligan james madison but it's only because it's an amazing role but he wears like a leather coat and a beanie for the whole first act. And I am like not a sweater, but whoa, whoa. Like when I'm on stage in that role, I am like a dripping from my face. Like it, it is, uh, I, I got to ask Oak about that eventually. Like the deal was, cause they're talking about like summer in the city, all this stuff. I'm like, aren't you warm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, it is a very coat-heavy production. <laughs> yes, Indeed. wool, wool coats, like on you. You know, it is. It is. Uh, yeah, it is not forgiving to the folks who are like natural sweaters. I'm always like, oh, I all all love to you. You know, good luck. I, I'm one of those natural sweaters. I turn the AC off for the podcast, and by the end of it, it's just glis- yeah. glistening. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, hitting the sun just right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I feel like that brings us to the end of the podcast. Ryan, it's been wonderful to have you on. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find more information about Swing From Home, how to sure. get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you visit our website, swingfromhome.com, uh, right on the front page there, there's a link to upcoming opportunities. Um, you can click that. It'll take you to the link tree and it has all of the different opportunities that are coming up, both the events that we're hosting and the ones that you can just drop in on. Um, and also, you know, take a look around the site too and and you can go to the different states and see the candidates, read a little bit about them. There's There's more literature up there about redistricting and all this stuff if you're curious about why this really matters. And, you know, follow us on all the platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff and share our stuff just because, you know, you never know who's out there who's just going to drop in and make 100 calls one night and and tip an election. So um, we're appreciative of truly any help. And and it's been a really fun endeavor. And I think folks would have a lot of fun to, um, you know, come hang with us, hear some music and and make some, you know, preserve the little democracy that's left. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a great place for us to end it. Ryan Vasquez is our guest. The organization is Swing From Home. And until the return of democracy, which you can help happen by volunteering for Swing From Home. <laughs> I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Batches.